0: everybody, and welcome back to the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are here today with a very special episode. It is Indiana Jones and the Ten Commandments of a proper sequel.
1: We have with us today our good buddy from the Film Life podcast, Jeff Johnson. Jeff, how are you doing, man? Hi, I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me over to have this conversation. Actually, I should have referred to you correctly. I'm sorry, I didn't introduce (laughs) you properly. This... Is Cincinnati Jeff Johnson? To my yes. right here is Arkansas D Graves. Have you heard of me? Not Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh. <laughs> Arkansas D Graves, and then I, of course, am Oklahoma Jason Coleman.
0: I don't think anything right. sounds as good as Indiana. No, no it doesn't. You can't beat you can't beat that one. No. Although Cincinnati is pretty good. I, I, Cincinnati would be pretty cool. If C- I Johnson.
2: Cincinnati Johnson. I, yeah, I could I could I could go with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, guys, we are here today because there has been a recent release of yet another Indiana Jones sequel called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And up until two days ago, for me, the Indiana Jones series was just a trilogy. That is it. I had seen approximately nine and a half minutes of The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I turned it off about 10 years ago or so and have not... Ventured to see it again, but I was forced to by my wife and I endured. I endured every bit of it. I paused it to see how long it took me before I would have normally turned it off. Disney doesn't give you a timestamp, but I can tell you it was before they went into the warehouse. That's not very long into the movie. I mean, that's,
2: that's, yeah, that is.
0: Better after that. brief. So we incepted if you will if you'll let me verbize that word. Incepted? We incepted this particular episode because Jeff just saw a, the most recent movie, Dial of Destiny, and engaged uh, Mr. Colvin over here in an uh
1: It's Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> you call him Dr. Colvin doll. <laughs> Engaged him in a conversation about all of the various shortcomings of the newest movie, and it was upon that that the realization happened that we needed to have a list of what you do, do not do, in order to have a good Indiana
1: Jones sequel. That's right. Jeff and I were talking. We were like, okay, it doesn't have this. It doesn't have this. It needed this. Mm -hmm. It needed that. What the heck are they thinking? We can see it plain as day. Why can't they figure this out? It has since been 34 years since we've had a good Indiana Jones movie. That's
2: uh, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, we we started talking about the shortcomings of the Disney era Indiana Jones films, and then we started talking about the original trilogy and what the, what it got right. We started talking about like, well, what would it take to make a proper sequel to
1: Indiana Jones? So we're going to start this off. This is actually going to be the Ten Commandments of an Indiana Jones movie. You either have to have or can't have these 10 items that we have here, right? That's right. Fall short at just one point is guilty of breaking
0: all of them. There it is, right there. (laughs) As long as we're telling the 10 commandments here, might as well keep it biblical. D
1: clearly has been to Sunday school. (laughs) Didn't you guys go to Sunday 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 school? school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the Ten Commandments, which we are about to start, before we get going, it's important to note that both Jason and Jeff, uh, that is Cincinnati and Oklahoma, have seen the most recent Indiana Jones movie. I have not. I do not know after hearing their impressions whether I'm inclined to do so. We will do our best to keep this spoiler free, but... Something may slip out in a (laughs) moment of passion, if you will.
1: (laughs) Cincinnati, Jeff Johnson, are you ready? I am ready. Let's do this. Arkansas D. Graves, are you ready? Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. (laughs) We know what a careful fellow you guys are. So let's dive in, starting with commandment number one. One. Thou shalt always... Have the proper Indiana Jones uniform, that includes a fedora, a leather jacket, a bullwhip, and a gun. Pretty simple. Oh, One yeah. more item,
2: though. Okay, what you got? Um, this is this is an item that he's going to have more so than the leather jacket in most cases. Talk about his shoulder bag, his purse. Yeah, yeah. His uh, his satchel. It's uh, you know actually it's actually a Mark Seven British gas mask bag. That's not era appropriate because it's uh, a mid forties early to mid forties. And obviously Indy's gallivanting around in 1934 and 35, 36. So, but yeah, he's got to have the shoulder bag to put all his, that's true. His idols and stones and, and what have bags you of sand
1: and all that stuff. His cr- right? Yeah. His
2: bags of sand his crosses of Coronado. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so just, I, I saw this today. Apparently, when mel brooks went to george lucas to say hey i want to do a parody of the star wars trilogy and you know my i'm going to have a guy who's kind of a han solo character george lucas said i will let you do the the parody without complaint but you cannot dress him like han solo you can't give him that standard on solo garb and so what he did instead was to dress him like indiana jones
1: nice no fedora, it, yeah.
0: but he did have the leather jacket, the button-up shirt, the tan the khaki pants. Yeah. But fedora, leather jacket, bullwhip, and gun—I think were all of the features that Spielberg and Lucas discussed whenever they were building sandcastles in Hawaii, coming up with the idea for this movie in the first place.
1: Yeah, absolutely necessary. Got to have all those. Now, then, quick question, Jeff? Yes. Does Indiana Jones? carry a gun in the dial of destiny the fact that you have to think about it yeah uh, says it all right i honestly don't recall him carrying one i don't think he does i don't or think he does firing one no spoilers he steals yeah. a gun and he and he shoots a guy yeah okay? but it, he used it that guy's own gun against him i don't think he carried a gun in the entire movie no, I don't. I don't recall him ever having one in the movie.
2: Now that you think about it. Okay. Now then, does he wear his fedora? He does. He does indeed have the fedora. Does he wear his leather jacket? He does have the leather jacket. Okay. Does he use the bullwhip? He, and this is no spoiler because you've seen it in the trailer. He's he's menacing with the bullwhip. He's you know in the in the Cairo market scene, but a uh, Morocco scene. But uh, I think that's all he does with it. If I if cracks I'm it a couple of times, cracks it a few times, you know, get back.
1: Yeah. I'm our God. I'm our Godfather. Yeah. I think that's the only time you even see him use the whip. Yeah, I agree with you. So I, he really didn't use his gun and he really didn't use his bullwhip. So I, I think the caveat we, we should add is that he has to use these items, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think every, every film, the first four films, he
2: makes significant use of of his accessories,
0: you know, or, of his tools. Or it be comedic effect when he tries to use it but can't. That's right. With that would be. I would be good with on that. The bridge yeah. on the rope bridge at uh, Temple of Doom.
1: That's right. Okay. Quick question. I don't want to derail the whole the whole podcast here, but <laughs> is Harrison Ford mandatory to have an Indiana Jones movie? This is a tough question
2: because here's here's where I'm at with it. We have fallen in love when you when you talk about iconic heroes. And on the silver screen we're talking superman james bond sherlock holmes batman we're in love with these characters but we've had 40 50 years to see different iterations of them right uh, there has always been you know when you when someone signs up to play a superhero role you know okay well we're gonna have them for a good five ten years maybe hopefully and then someone's they're going to pass the torch. Same thing with James Bond. The thing with with Indy, we've only had Harrison Ford, you know, this entire time. So where the generations have had a had an opportunity to 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 move on with uh with new actors for their beloved characters, the original generation for Indiana Jones and the current generation for Indiana Jones and everyone in between, we haven't had that. Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, so it's a tricky thing to answer, but I, in my heart of hearts I have to say he showed us the way. But the character should not die with him. Give it five years. Give it ten years. Give it. Give us a break. You know, let us miss the character and and process the the end of Harrison Ford's
0: run. That's what I would say. Did you guys watch the Indiana Jones Chronicles, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles?
1: I've seen a f- yep. some of them.
0: Yes. So no Harrison Ford there. You had uh, Sean Patrick Flannery as Indiana Jones as young Indiana mm-hmm. Jones in those. And so, I don't know. I haven't seen those movies. I don't know if that's worthy. But I think as far as Harrison Ford is concerned, it has to be Harrison Ford. He's like, nobody else can be Indiana Jones as long as I'm alive. And so, as far as he's concerned, that's the way it is. Now, if you look at... That's not his call to make. But Well, I was going to say, if you look at <laughs> James Bond, which this was th- was the inspiration kind of behind this whole character, obviously, you've got multiple actor changes throughout its history. Can you do it? Yeah, I think you could do it if you've got the right guy, but I think it needs to be an entirely new thing. It's just, you know, we're starting back over. It has to be a reboot, and that's that's where, where I think
1: that goes. I think what you touched on right there, the model franchise for Indiana Jones movies is the James Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. What if Sean Connery had held onto that for 40 years? It we- wouldn't be believable. It wouldn't be believable. We would have missed out on a ton of movies and it would have held that character back. So thank you, Harrison Ford. You have given us one of the most iconic characters of all time. Time to pass the torch. Let's go. Thank you for your service. Let's, let's, let's see the next generation.
0: I'm not ready to kick him off the boat yet, but uh... Uh,
1: wait till you (laughs) see him in action.
2: Yeah. I I would say action is a strong word there, Jason, you know, (laughs) wait, wait till you see him in the new film that's what i would i think that's a better way to say it <laughs>
1: all right in crystal skull he was what 65 or so yep mm-hmm. and still capable of doing a lot of his stunts and action and throwing punches in this one mm-hmm. mm. he looked old Yeah. you know he looked old say he what really say what old. you
2: yeah say what you will about crystal skull but at least in that film we had indiana jones running around indiana jonesing he was he was cracking the whip. He was punching guys out. He was running. He was he was Indiana Jones still. The second commandment. Two. Thou shalt not overcomplicate thy MacGuffin. So look, here's the deal. The key to all these films, these 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 amazing movies, is what's motivating him. What is he going after? It should have historical significance. It should border on the supernatural, and it above and beyond. It should be it should be mysterious, right? It should. Provoke wonder.
1: I guess what we've had so far is the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. But really, in Raiders, you also have kind of the mysterious, the headpiece to the staff of Ra. You know, you have that. You do Egyptian stuff. That's a lot of fun. You have the Shankara stones from Temple of Doom. You yep. they have mysterious properties. Mm-hmm. You have the Holy Grail, the cup of Christ yep. from the third one, and then we move into crystal skulls and ufos and that type of thing yeah uh,
2: i understand that lucas you know he was kind of compelled to say hey this is Indian in the 50s and what was what was the 50s all about the sci-fi rage had started right ufos and men from mars and that you know whereas the original trilogy in the 30s it was all about those original serials, you know, and movies like uh, *Treasure of Sierra Madre with Humphrey Bogart. Now we're in the 50s. So I understand why he went where he went, but it doesn't mean that it worked.
1: What do you think about the new MacGuffin?
2: I think it was a great idea, lousy execution.
1: Okay. You know, you and I were talking, they name it about three different things. Yeah, I I
2: was scratching my head because I was like, wait, I thought we were going after the the Dial of Destiny. Oh, we're not? We're going after... I. Jason I actually can't even remember the, all, all the names that they use But it's it, like An-
1: Ankaratha or something like that Ankara. Yeah
2: The, the, the Ankytheria or Yeah I don't know It's It's, I, it's I do more, recall Them talking about Like I like, At least three different names Yeah So I was like Wait are we going after three different things Or oh it's the same thing It's just But you know it's like If you say Grail, we know that it's the Holy Grail or the cup of Christ. You can say that because it's it makes sense, right? You know the Ark or the Ark of the Covenant, but something weird like this, you don't want to give it multiple names.
1: I think that for me, that was as a viewer, that was confusing and kind of pointless. Okay, and just to double down on what you said, the Second Commandment, Indiana Jones at his heart is a treasure hunter Mm -hmm. slash grave robber slash archaeologist, right? Yeah, I. I, could, I, could, I don't know about
2: Grave Robber, you know. Uh, you sound like Lal there uh, <laughs> at, at Pancock,
0: but <laughs> it, was, it was his misunderstanding. There it is. Right yes, there. there it is. There it is. All right. We are to commandment number three. Three. Thou shalt tell stories of action adventure, never science fiction, which, according to you guys, also includes time travel, And I have to agree that can't be your central issue. And this goes back to our kind of key point about commandment number two. It needs to have historical significance. This needs to be a real Mm -hmm. historical thing. And uh, from what I gather, the dial of destiny is not an actual real historical thing. It's just something they kind of made up. And there are so many lost treasures out there that you have the opportunity to do something with. Why make something up like this?
2: I know it's based off of an actual thing that was found, which people now nowadays are saying this is this is kind of like the workings of like the very first computer, and that people in ancient Greece shouldn't have had the precision gears that it had. That's about as far as it goes in reality. And then the rest, you know, the whole time travel angle has been added to it.
0: I mean, the whole basis of the original idea, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Grail, all of it. Is that Indy is a doubter. He is a doubter in the supernatural. His character arc for each of those movies is to move from doubter to believer. That's the whole point. That's what we yeah. that's what we are here to see. And so if your McGuffin is a scientific instrument, it doesn't have any magical, unexplainable by science powers, well, what's the big deal in him? coming to believe in this thing it there's not one it doesn't make any sense it's kind of the same it's the same way i feel about kingdom of the crystal skull they've they've taken something and given it like historical significance but it, it's based completely in science and not at all in the belief beyond our
1: current realm yeah. you know you can actually see it on his face when he goes to the map room in raiders and he's got the headpiece of staff of Ra. At the right time of day with the sunlight coming through and you get that swell of music from John Williams and it blows up that spot where the well of souls is. And you see the look on Harrison Ford's face or Indiana Jones's face. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, my gosh, this is really happening. Like God is speaking through this crystal you have the chorus of Oz behind. Oh, it's amazing, right? He becomes a true believer. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, before we go any further, is it fair for us to compare any movie to Raiders? I
0: I still maintain that that the third movie, that Last Crusade, is arguably better than Raiders. I, I love Raiders. I mean, I hold it in the highest regard. But I, I think that Last Crusade is equally as good, if not in some respects, better. I know some people think Temple of Doom is better. But the formula that they followed in each of those movies is beautiful, and I think they do it. I, I think they topped themselves by bringing Henry Jones Sr. into the mix, who just happens to be a former James Bond guy. Uh, I mean, it's just it's too perfect.
1: So D says yes. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? I,
2: I, I say Raiders is a perfect film. I, I couldn't imagine changing a single frame of that. So okay. is it fair? No. Do we have to do it? Yeah. The fourth commandment. Four. Thou shalt not take thy hero's name in vain. His name is Indiana Jones. Dr. Jones to his colleagues, Indy to his friends. It's not Henry. I, and, and to Dee's point, talking about Last Crusade, I don't recall a single moment where, where his father calls him Henry. He right. calls him junior through the whole movie which is acceptable if you're Sean Connery's character even Henry Jones senior the one time he references his name he says Indiana let it go yeah that's exactly so, right yeah it's it's not ne- it's not Henry it bothered me in Crystal Skull when when Oxley kept calling him that. It's not Henry, and it's definitely not Jonesy. I <laughs> cannot stand that. Uh, Jason, we were talking about Crystal Skull earlier about the Mac character. My take was cut him out of the movie completely. He's a pointless character. He's not likable. He's not unlikable enough to, to register. You know, like, ah, oh, that that uh, that's an awful guy he's a pointless character and I, he bothers me. Ray Winstone is a great actor, but every time he says Jonesy in that movie, I wince and you better believe I was wincing hard when, uh, someone, when Helena
1: Shaw was using it in the new one. So. Yeah, absolutely. Don't ever, ever call him Henry. Call him Dr. Jones doll.
0: (laughs) It's really not that
1: hard. Don't call him Henry. It's Indiana. He likes Indiana. Commandment number five. Five. Thou shalt always use the acquisition of knowledge as the final superpower of Indiana Jones. Now then, this is a little bit complex, so I want to just state my case on this one, okay? So, Indy and Belloc are basically identical in Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're both Here's smart. a shadowy reflection. That's it. <laughs> It would only take us a nudge to push him into the light, (laughs) but basically they're smart. They're capable. They're respected. They know what they're doing. They know what they're going after. They know how to do it. What's the difference Indy tells Marion, shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it. He has become a believer. And therefore that acquisition, that belief is what gives him the edge over his enemies. It also happens when he is choosing the cup of a carpenter in the last crusade. Now then Donovan, completely arbitrarily just picks one and does the completely stupid thing and just, what do you think Elsa? Which one is it? <laughs> okay. This one. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's drink. He chose. <laughs> he chose poorly, but he uses his brains to choose the cup of a carpenter. Obviously it's not going to be jewel encrusted. It's just going to be a, a wooden cup. Mm-hmm. So using his brains as his final superpower is a must for the Indiana Jones character.
0: I agree. So you didn't like it when they just decided to run away at the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Like that was the solution. Hey, <laughs> yeah. All these aliens are come to life. Run away. <laughs> yeah. Run away!
1: Uh... One, one thing I want to bring up, spoiler free, there is a puzzle that is not solved by Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. that i wanted to stand up and throw my coke at the screen. Yeah, i know exactly what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> uh, thank thank goodness uh this in the new one, thank goodness the sidekick doesn't have to solve the puzzles cuz our, you know, the the new the new hero was there to take care of that for us and you know. Sad.
1: Very sad. sad. Betrayal, betrayal.
2: Well, especially when Indy's just sitting there like uh <laughs> tell tell me more, you
0: know. Like
1: <laughs> i'm at your feet, oh wise one. Yeah oh
0: man commandment number six six thou shalt not bear false witness with cgi okay so you guys have heard me complain about cgi before jason and i recently did a recording of an episode where we did the worst sequels of the 80s and uh, not to give away anything, but Caddyshack 2 did come up.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Jason talked about his reaction to the new Groundhog gopher thing in Caddyshack 2 and his absolute disdain for it. And I will say right now, Spike in the football, bad practical effect gopher from Caddyshack 2 is still much better than CGI groundhogs from the kingdom of the crystal skull wow
1: spike in the football wow that's that's big time right there
2: i don't i don't know that i can disagree with him the gophers in crystal skull are so cartoony
1: it's ludicrous
2: it's one thing that they look cartoony but the fact that they act like disney animated characters you know with their whole curious quizzical nature and silliness i couldn't stand it
0: Yeah. And and again, absolutely unnecessary. Number one, I get what you're trying to do with, with the groundhog hole at the beginning Mm -hmm. in the shape of the mountain. But number one, I thought it was offensive. I I just was just like, really, unless you are coming out and saying, Hey guys, for our fourth Indiana Jones, we are going to make fun of ourselves. Unless you come out and say that like they did with like lethal weapon Four or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then doing stuff like that is just like spitting in the face of your fans.
1: Yeah. I could drive 30 minutes down the road to the Oklahoma City Zoo. I get you some footage of gophers. (laughs) Real groundhogs. Real groundhogs. And it would look (laughs) totally fine. Yeah. I mean,
2: again, you know, we've always started these movies with a a transition from the Paramount logo to an actual mountain. And I thought that was when I first saw that. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's brilliant. Right. You could have had just had an actual groundhog come out of that thing at that point, but you didn't. You you had a cartoon pop out and say hello. So I, ugh. you almost wonder: Do we start off with such a ludicrous CGI uh, effect just so the rest of what you saw, you're like, okay, well, it was at least it wasn't the gopher. You know, it's yeah. not that bad. I I, I don't know. Maybe
0: they're like setting, trying I really to set up the gopher there. to go to to burst out and go.
1: Two bits. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. By the
0: way, go check out our podcast with Dayton Johnson on the Docking Bay 77 podcast where we talk about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
1: So I was talking to Dev Dave about this before we started. It's not just the overuse of CGI. It's the lack of practical effects. The oh, yeah. thing about Raiders that made it so great and, and Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. Harrison Ford is dirty. He's gritty. He's scraped up, he's bruised, mm-hmm. he's broken, he gets thrown out of a windshield, he falls over the front of a truck, he goes underneath the truck, you see a guy being drugged by a truck. Mm-hmm. I remember yep. that was on, that's incredible. I mean, it was a a big deal and these hard practical stunts. When Indy jumps from a tuk-tuk to another tuk-tuk in Dial of Destiny, mm-hmm. you see it in the trailer. Indy can barely get out of bed. Are you telling me that he makes that acrobatic leap? And let's talk about the CGI there too
2: because and this is you you see this in the trailer it's not so much that he jumps from one it's it almost looks like someone's throwing a rag doll from one to the other he it's a, like he kind of like has, does like a, a like lateral a, a sway vaccine. yeah yeah it's I, I didn't buy for one second the, and the CGI in the new one is is more egregious than than Crystal Skull in my opinion because we get how many pointless chase scenes that are just a CGI blurry mess that that go on far too long and are are boring. Okay. Boring should never be used in an Indiana Jones film.
1: That's right. That's right. In fact, Dave just texted me and said it has to be fun. So like one of his commandments is it, it's got to be fun. Before I am accused of talking out of both sides of my mouth, I want to I want to pose this to you guys. So did you guys watch The Mandalorian. Oh yeah. Okay. The last episode of season 2, I believe, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly. A beloved character shows up in The Mandalorian. And they de-age him with computer graphics. And I was doing backflips because I thought it was freaking awesome. You didn't like it? Did not. Okay. Wow. I love it. He hates CGI. So do we think that Uh, this worked, the de-aging of Harrison Ford? Did this work in Dial of Destiny?
2: So here's where I'm at with it. It's, It's a magic trick. Okay. You do a sleight of hand. I don't catch it. And I'm mystified. Right. But if you slow it down. And I, you give me a chance to really look hard, really look close. Then I can start to find some flaws. I love the opening sequence, Jason. We talked about. It. I, I love the opening sequence of Dial of Destiny. I thought it was a fantastic throwback to the Last Crusade era for Indiana Jones. But it maybe went on a little too long. And the longer it went, the more you could start to see, like, well, wait, uh, the eyes are kind of weird. You know, like that what they call the dead eye. When they, anytime they DH someone, there's always that that thing where they can't just capture the eyes, right? Right. Um, and that that's that's a minor thing. Um, but but the real problem for me was just hearing Harrison Ford's craggly, grumpy eighty-year-old voice coming out coming out of a forty-year-old Harrison Ford, and I didn't understand why they didn't digitally clean that up. You know, much in the way they did
1: with uh, Val Kilmer in in Maverick. You and I talked about that the other night. Yeah. And it's it's the the voice does not match the face. Doesn't yeah. match what we're seeing, and you got the gravelly old Harrison yeah. Ford. But no. you pointed it out. They did that in Top Gun Maverick where they cleaned up Val Kilmer's voice and mm-hmm. they computer generated it based on all of his other movies and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, so why, why how did do, they do you, that?
2: there is a, just a treasure trove of, of material for Harrison Ford. I mean, think about everything that, that they could have got, they could have pulled from truthfully. He wouldn't even had to utter the dialogue. They could have just made a soundboard based off what, it, what he said before, similar to what they did with Val Kilmer, you know, but, uh, the fact that they didn't, I, I felt that that was lazy. Honestly, not okay. that it's CGI, but it's you know it's part of that g- computer generated effect. So I think it counts I think that, Yeah, say.
0: I think your magic trick analogy captures it perfectly. If if I can tell, like if I can see what the what the sleight of hand is, then you haven't done a good job with it. And with mm-hmm. a movie of this magnitude with this much funding, you should fool me. Yes. And if your groundhogs look like cartoons and your de-aging looks like a computer filter on an Instagram, you didn't do it right. And mm-hmm. th- it's so easy to fix because half of Indiana's face is always in the shadow. Like, I mean, yep. just darken it, darken the place where he is, put those shadows around. That's, I mean, I said the same thing with the beloved character in the Mandalorian. If he'd have kept his hood on, it had been mm-hmm. great. You never would have no. had to worry about. It. But it's like they want to show off, and then when they show off, it's it's like it's like your five year old showing off their artwork. You're like, didn't I do great? Doesn't <laughs> look exactly like a bear. And, oh, ah. sure.
2: I quote Marcus Brody: They are meddling with powers they cannot understand. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: Commandment number seven. Seven. Thou shalt not believe in thy perfect hero. All right, so on this one, I want to make sure that we understand Indiana Jones, he makes mistakes, he's not perfect, he's not a superhero, he gets hurt, he gets scraped and scratched and bruised. The scene in Raiders, where after he's been drugged by the truck, he's been punched by every German known to man, and then Marion's trying to to nurse him a little bit, and he, he can barely get his shirt off. That's great. We want our heroes to be just like us. He gets shot in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It skims, it goes in and out of his shoulder. Mm-hmm. You can just see the pain on his face. This is killing me. That guy's punching him in the RV, dying, right? Yeah. Well, think about
2: Raiders, and I, I don't want to get us off track, but when he's fighting the German mechanic and that guy levels him, just the way Harrison Ford wobbles his knees as he drops, like I felt that punch. And if you've ever been hit in the face, you know, you know what that what that feels like, and you know what your body does, how your body reacts. Marion trying to help him with his shirt off, and he's like, ah, oh, y- you believe it.
0: Yeah. Never been shot at before. This happens to me all the time. <laughs> you call this archaeology? <laughs> so this, I mean, I had already given up on the movie well in advance of the scene, but this is really your your to your point: the place that you lose him as a normal human being happens in the crystal skull. Whenever he goes into the refrigerator, he is blasted out by an atomic blast. He lands in the refrigerator. I have no idea why it's the only thing that gets blasted out of the fake town is the refrigerator (laughs) by itself, but that's what happens. And then it shows you looking, him looking at the mushroom cloud that's big. Like it's not Mm -hmm. off in the distance of a thousand miles. It's huge. He would be dead as he stood. He'd be dead as he stood. As it turns out, all he had to get was a little scrubbing and he's perfectly fine. There's no bruises, there's no cuts. He's been blasted 50 miles in a refrigerator and has no purple mark on him at all and is relaxing with his thoughts at the end of the day. I mean, it's just absurd
2: D if I put you if I put you inside of a, a lead-lined refrigerator and I just drop you 10 feet off <laughs> off a building, how many broken bones are you getting when when <laughs> when that thing pops open? uh, Because, yeah, you're right, man He just, he kind of rolls out And kind of groggy And he's like, oh,
1: you know Gives us a little Harrison Ford grumpy growl And No problem, it was (laughs) lead-lined Bad, bad By the way, I'll just say The John McClane stories, movies Have Mm -hmm. made this same mistake It needs to be fun I think Temple of
0: Doom lost the fun With its dark tone So you gotta keep it fun Thank you, Def Dave, for your take on that Commandment number eight, Eight. thou shalt not give any sitting exposition. These movies, because they have historical significance, that has to be explained. I understand it. Ex- exposition is necessary with this type of movie. You've got to lay your ground rules. You've got to lay your history. I get it. But in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it happens twice and both times, both indie. and and the character he is speaking to are just sitting at a table and it's awful. It grinds the movie to a halt and it drives me nuts. In Kingdom of the Crystal Skull happens whenever they are sitting just after he's been scrubbed for his nuclear waste, sitting at a table. And he mentions something about the Air Force incident in 47, which sounds like a better story to me than what they're talking about Mm. already. That's great. But he sits, the other guy that he's talking to sits. He explains something that I still don't understand having seen the whole movie. (laughs) And then later on, he gives exposition to a character in a diner. In a diner. Mm. Are you kidding me? What? You're sitting at a table and nothing is happening, except that you're explaining things that still don't seem to have a significant impact on the movie. If you're going to have exposition, it needs to be key to the movie and it needs to be well explained. And what they did in Raiders, what do they do? They have him with a blackboard and chalk Mm -hmm. and he's drawing the lines from the staff of Ra and he's opening up the giant book that has the pictures of the lightning coming out of the Ark of the Covenant. It's beautifully done. When they do it in The Last Crusade, they're in the library looking around for the clue, right? X Mm -hmm. never marks the spot, except that it does in this circumstance. And you've got this great exposition as things are happening. You can't sit and stare at another character and give exposition and have it be a proper Indiana Jones sequel. I'm off my soapbox. You guys may discuss.
2: No, you're you're, you're preaching to the choir there. Because, I mean, because there's more of that happening in Crystal Skull where at least they're in the uh, the gravesite and and they're kind of walking and talking and you're in on the adventure, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. Sitting around uh, and just having a milkshake. Uh, and <laughs> talking about
1: it does not work, not at all. Yeah. In fact, I think in Last Crusade, he's explaining what's going on to Elsa while they're, you know, the Ark of the Covenant's written on the wall and they got mm-hmm. rats all around. You got petroleum everywhere. And yeah, the exposition happens while you are discovering things with Indiana Jones. Now, The Last
2: Crusade, that's a good moment where two people are sitting at a table. And having a great conversation and it's meaningful to the movie and i'm talking about when they're on when they're on the blimp and they're kind of they're kind of hashing out their their family issues
1: uh-huh.
2: and, and having a little bit of fun with it too where he's like you know she's old enough to be you're old enough to be her grandfather you know and <laughs> you know and then you know it starts to get serious for a second and then and then henry jones senior i'm talking about like he gets excited he like you know moves his chair of like look we're here we're this is how close we are and sharing his diary and like it's a great father son moment that that's a good moment where you can have exposition with just two people sitting there talking but other than that and the first scene of raiders like you're, you're wasting our time
1: and we don't stay there very
2: long
0: yeah I'd no be, no I'd, it's I brief right. it's, it's not wrong if they sit at a table i mean mm-hmm. you have belloc and indy sitting at a table on the very first episode mm-hmm. and it's awesome you, you want to talk to oh, yeah. god yeah, yeah, because it's emotional. It's charged up. Mm-hmm. It's not,
1: let me explain a historical story to you. That's terrible. Yeah. Raiders is a perfect movie. I, this is, it is. I think it's unfair to compare <laughs> anything to Raiders because everything they do is, is so well executed. The whole story just keeps moving, keeps moving, keeps moving. Commandment number nine. Nine. Thou shalt remember that Indiana Jones is a lone wolf. And I told Jeff, you and I were talking about this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is my biggest problem with a certain movie that I'm trying to remain spoiler free on. (laughs) Indiana Jones doesn't need your freaking help. If some of his friends want to hang around and help a little bit, that's okay. But he's going after the arc. He literally takes on the entire Nazi army pretty much by himself with a little bit of help from Sala and a little bit of help from Marion in the first movie. Mm -hmm. In the second movie... He has to. I mean, Willie is an obstacle the entire time. Shorty uh, Uh, is around to throw him his whip every once in a while. You getting ready to defend Willie Scott for us?
2: (laughs) That's that's a bold that's a bold statement. Uh, I won't defend her, but I will say she does technically save their lives at least once.
1: Yes. You know. And then she almost gets them killed Wait, immediately uh, after. Cool that. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're but right.
2: I, no, I get what, I get what you're saying there. Like, uh, you know, they're they're along
1: you know, her and short round. They're they're along for the ride. And they they help when they when they can't help. Maybe maybe Lone Wolf is a bit strong. He does need his friends. But he's not taking a backseat to anyone. He's first no. fiddle, not second
0: fiddle. He, that I can go mm-hmm. along with. I'm like, I'm thinking a lot of situations where it was important to have those other characters there, but yeah, he can never be second fiddle.
1: He's the no. guy who sees the X on the on the floor. Now then, the important thing too to remember with Indiana Jones, you have the Superman and the Clark Kent here, okay? You mm-hmm. have the Professor Jones who wears glasses and a, and a bow tie, mm-hmm. and then you've got the bare knuckled fedora wearing leather jacket, Indiana Jones. And there's a distinct break between those two versions of himself that may or may not show up in the fifth movie.
2: I don't think it shows up at all. And to Dee's point, yes, he can't be second fiddle, but he sure as heck can't be the roadie for the second fiddle. And there's, (laughs) there's a lot of moments in the third one where I feel like he's, maybe he's not even the sidekick. He's, he's in the backseat, you know, he's not even riding shotgun. I have one thought though. Yeah. You know, about about him, like the lone wolf behavior. Because I know, Jason, when we talked, you, you know, you were saying, Yeah, he's you prefer him to be more of a, a, a bond. Let's think about this though. I think part of the reason that he needs to always be on his own, at the end of the day, he he needs to be on his own because these movies always see him betrayed. He's never finding that family unit or that that person to settle down with because he he's but you know, he's betrayed every time. You know, Raiders opens and closes. With Indy getting betrayed, Sapito double crosses him with the in the Hovitos cave or whatever. Don't mean the, the idol. U.S. government. Throw you the whip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the U.S. government promises. Yeah, the museum gets the arc and you guys can study it, and then it gets put away so that uh, who who can look at it? D,
0: Pop men. Who top men.
2: top yeah man <laughs> yeah yeah but but Temple of Doom Lau Chi double crosses him on the deal right right to open the movie Doctor Elsa Snyder double crosses him that's true uh, Mac Mac double cross he Mac's a double agent triple A whatever I I, I know I've said <laughs> my piece about Mac but he he betrays him and even in the new one and again it's not it's not a spoiler because you if you saw the the trailer you know Helena Shaw double crosses him. And, you know, locks him in with, with the rogue CIA Nazis that are about to kill him. Yeah. And she's like, sorry. Yeah, he's always getting betrayed. Who, yeah.
1: who, who can he count on? Himself. Yeah, that's good, Jeff. That's good. By the way, does anybody have a problem with him marrying Marion? Marrying Marion. If they had done
0: it right, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Okay.
2: I yeah. feel like uh, the best ending for this, for this character is the last crusade galloping off in the sunset. I don't think we could have got better. I think if you're going to even try and get close, you're not going to hit a bullseye, but you might hit the board with him marrying Marion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: James Bond got married. in one of. Yeah. Them. I realized, I mean, spoiler alert, she dies, but I think that they, they could have done something as effective with Marion, for sure.
2: The thing about Marion, think about where we're introduced to her. This is a woman that can clearly hold her own and take care of herself. She has never been a damsel in distress, even when she was a damsel in distress. You know, She's the
0: perfect foil for him.
2: She was a child. Yeah, it was wrong, and you know it. <laughs> she, come on, she knew what she was doing. <laughs> no, I, I would have been okay with Marion still going her separate ways and doing, you know, following in Abner's work and getting in her own adventures. You know, because she was a strong, she's a strong enough character to do that. Our tenth and final commandment. Ten, honor thy composer. So let's let's talk about this. There are several people that have been key to the success of these movies. You you gotta have Lucas. You gotta have Spielberg. That's the brain trust. You have to have Harrison Ford. May or may not, depending on how we look at it in the next 10 years. The fourth guy on that list that you have to have is John Williams and his iconic score, his beautiful score. Granted, we know this might be the last score. The Dial of Destiny might be the last score that John Williams does. You know, he, I think he's planning on doing a little bit of limited touring. We might not get another soundtrack from this this guy. In my mind, he's the greatest of all time. Anyone that has to follow in his footsteps, you got to come correct and you got to hit those beats. Do you think he did a good job in Dial of Destiny? I, you know, Dave and I talked about this on our on our Back to the Box Office review, and I felt guilty for saying it was lazy because at the same time, you know. A bad John Williams score is a great film score, you know, at the end of the day. I feel like he, maybe he phoned it in a little bit. Some of the beats that I feel are necessary were, were missing. Whether we're talking Dial of Destiny or we're talking 10 years down the road when someone does a, a new theme, there's certain things that have to be there. The iconic march, right? The Raiders, what's known as the Raiders march. After Raiders, it still showed up in every movie and it then became what's known as end credits. We got to have it. There's two other themes that you have to have. As well, one of them would be the I'll call this one the one the heart theme, because you know in Raiders it's called Marion's theme, right. you know it's, it's that soft, slowed down version, and we get a, we get some of that a little bit with uh, the flirtatious uh, banter with him and Mar- uh, Willie Scott when Sean Connery takes out the Nazi plane with the by using the birds and like you know using his umbrella and Harrison Ford has that he just has that great look and just you know. And you, you have that soft music, yeah, that soft beat. And then lastly, I would say there's there's always that ominous theme. Maybe it's ominous, maybe it's a little bit spooky, and that's when you're just you're maybe kind of giving us a little bit of exposition on what this MacGuffin can really do.
1: You know, you think about Raiders, and again, we're comparing to a perfect movie, but Indy has a theme, Marion has a theme, the headpiece to the staff of Ra has a theme, mm-hmm. the Ark has a theme, and then when they open the Ark, you got maybe the most terrifying piece of music I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah. That doesn't even mention whatever they play when he's chasing down the truck on the horse and getting thrown through yeah. the windshield, all that, all that thing. Everybody was hitting on all cylinders for Raiders. And then this one, I did, did we hear the march one time? I think maybe we heard the march one time.
2: I think we briefly heard it in the opening sequence. In the opening, yep. You know, when he's, well, I don't want to say anything, but uh, yeah, I think you hear a little bit of it there. And uh, I definitely remember not hearing it at the end. I was like, you know what? Give me my Raiders march so I know that the movie's over. And then it gave us a different theme. And I was like, I looked over at Dave and I'm like, well, they can't
1: even get the ending right? The final credit music right? Come on. You know, we talked about it in our, when we covered Raiders, there's two themes. So John Williams came to Steven Spielberg and said, all right, here's this theme. And then there's this other theme. And Spielberg's like, Love them both. Put them together. Yep. I want both of them. The composer is so important to these movies. Mm -hmm.
2: Think about some of your other iconic franchises. This is a rarity where you have the the director and the star and the composer always coming back together again. Could you imagine Last Crusade or Temple of Doom with, with a different composer? It would have felt wrong.
1: Any final thoughts, guys? You have not convinced me to go see The Dial of Destiny. I didn't really want this to be a Dial of Destiny bash fest, but to do the good, you have to talk about the bad too, right? Yeah. Well, you have to talk about the bad, which is
2: Crystal Skull, and you have to talk about the ugly, which is Dial of Destiny. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> and and okay. D, I'll I tell you right now, my 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 goal was not to convince you to go see the, the new one. Live blissfully <laughs> with with the original trilogy and know that, that is, that's it
0: right there. That's it. I'm
1: a completionist.
0: I could not not go. Yeah, I would have been. I would have been perfectly happy to end the trilogy, riding into the sunset, as it should have been.
2: I, I stand by what I said. Uh, my feelings on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull are are documented, but I'm telling you, Dial of Destiny is a far worse movie than King, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I, that's that's where I'm at with it.
0: And how do you feel? Do you feel that
1: it's worse than the Crystal Skull? I feel like the movie is better the story was better than crystal skull but crystal skull left the indiana jones character that i love more intact and so it's easier for me to swallow crystal skull so there you go okay quick question before we go jeff can this franchise be saved yes d can this franchise be saved yes sounds like it's a tough job we start over in 10 years 20 years 10
0: there have been some really bad James Bond movies, yeah. and it's and they managed to bring it back and make some of the best I've ever seen.
1: All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us. I hope you've enjoyed these Ten Commandments to make a proper Indiana Jones movie. Jeff, thanks for joining us, man.
2: Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me a chance to to vent a little bit of frustration after Dial of Destiny and and talk about what could make this. A great franchise again. I
1: appreciate that. Hey, tell us where we can find you guys.
2: You can find us streaming wherever you get your uh, your streaming from, uh, or you can always check us out at www.afilmbypodcast.com. Uh, you can check out all of our episodes. Uh, the website's been changed up a little bit, so now you can go to if you just want to look at 86 stuff, or back to the box office stuff, or film at 45 stuff. We have narrowed it down for you, so now there's like a it's much more user friendly. You can find Exactly what you're looking for, um, but other than that, uh, we are on social media at a film by. Um, always happy to talk, always happy to uh, interact and hear feedback and
1: and give feedback.
0: Always fun, Jeff. Thanks for coming over, man.
1: Appreciate it, D. All right, guys. We will see you down the road. Follow me. <laughs> I know the way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, literally at some point, and when we were watching the Crystal Skull, she was like, you know, you don't have to keep watching this if you don't want to. I was like, really? (laughs) I don't really? (laughs) I've been here for an hour. I can't quit now. I have to see this through to the end.